Um, we'll, we'll get to all that in just a second. Um, but you're right. Like the whole theme of today's show is clearly football is king. The reason why you and I are going to be rolling out, wake up three days a week and starting every single show with the 49ers is because football is king. And Larry, that brings us to our last football topic today. And that is the retirement of the king himself, Peter King. Uh, maybe the biggest piece of NFL news we'll get before the combine is that Peter King is retiring. His football in America column will be no more unless it is, you know, rebranded under somebody else's uh, banner. Um, this guy's been covering the league for 44 years. He spent at least the last 15 to 20 of them as maybe the single highest profile NFL media member um, in terms of old scribes, you know, not Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, Twitter superstars, but just an old ink stained wretch. If I can quote Ray Ratto, um, his columns, his appearances, his weekly interviews that he used to do on my old radio show were always huge ratings winners. Whether you liked Peter King or didn't, you paid attention to him. His name became synonymous with football. He did about as well of a job as being a company guy and calling bullshit on the league when appropriate. He was never perfect, but he was pretty good. He straddled a tough-to-straddle fence very well. He's a Hall of Famer. And at the age of 66, I'm sure he's still going to be around the game somehow, some way. But as a weekly columnist, he is now done. And all I can say is he's done it well. He's done it very, very well. He had a level of connections as a reporter that no other journalist I think is ever going to have around the NFL, Larry. His Rolodex, uh, the fact that he was around the league when it was a mom and pop league, gave him a level of access that now if you're coming in to cover football, you are running into the biggest corporate entity in America and things done changed. So there's never going to be another Peter King. And I salute him on an incredible career. Great guy. Um, has great enthusiasm, natural enthusiasm. And I would, I would say to any young person observing this, trying to make sense of why was this guy so popular? Because he had optimism, yet he's no, he's no, nobody's fool. He had intellectual curiosity and he had a thirst to know more and that's really what it's about i mean as he thirsted to know more about the game he shared it with the rest of us he didn't just i'm gonna sit down with kyle shanahan and i'm gonna go you know be in the niner war room i'm gonna tell you what i gleaned from being in there and, um, yeah, I mean, the guy's awesome. He's 66 at this point. He worked at the Cincinnati Inquirer. He yeah, later worked really at young, by the way, 66 is young, man. I'll be 66 in a little while. Well, yeah, not, here's, not here's a little the thing. while, but the average, the average lifespan is what? 72, 77, something like that. Somewhere like in there. That. It actually got there. worse in the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, so let's just say, let's just say he's got 10 more years on the planet. I mean, you may have 40 more years on the planet. You know what I mean? There are people that live past 100. But let's just say he's like everybody else, and he lives to 76. Do you want to? I mean, I know there's a say, the, the old saying is, hey, if you stop, you know, working, you're just like kind of waiting to die. Um, and I know, but I mean, if you really have a full, rich life and you have children and you have grandchildren, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to be, fi I'm 54. And it's like, I think if I did this for 10 more years and I was 64 and I was lucky enough to make it to 64, um, I would, I would want to spend the last 10 years just, just, you know, enjoying the back nine, playing a little I golf, playing with my kids. Hey, Damon and his wife want to get together and their kids just got back from college and man, let's go have a few beers over at Damon's house. Right. Hey, Jeez, you know, I'd like between you and I covering football on just Sundays or seven days a week, like we try to do now. And yeah, I mean, it helped it. Uh, so Peter King wrapped up with this, Larry. I think that this is a very powerful paragraph and it speaks to everything that you were just talking about. And I'm sure you agree with this and have made choices that th this will resonate with you. And it certainly is resonating with me. Quote from Peter King in his goodbye column. To do this job well, you have to have some selfishness in you. And you've got to miss time at home. Lots of it. I don't feel great about lots of those times, but I don't regret them either. To do this job well, it's a fact that some things in your family will suffer. Also, all three male members of my family, my dad and my two brothers, were dead by the age of 64 before ever even experiencing retirement. And my buddy Don Banks, he died at 57 in a Canton hotel room in 2019. All of it matters. And I just think Peter King looked at his own life, his own family, his growing children that he wants to be around more. He looked at the cautionary tale of Don Banks again, who, you know, sadly passed away in a hotel room, not surrounded by family and friends. And mortality, when your friends start passing away, it gives you a different perspective. And even though Peter probably had four or five really good more years in him, he just said enough is enough is enough is enough. And that's a, that's a choice everyone has to make. I also think that, and then I don't know, Peter, you know, I haven't talked to Peter, but I've, I mean, I've interviewed Peter and, I, but I haven't talked to him off the air about any of this, but he most recently, um, overcame double pneumonia, you know, and people die from pneumonia and maybe he, um, the overcoming double pneumonia, you know, I mean, it's, it's a young man's game, man. You're getting on flights, you're getting off flights, you're going from this climate to that climate. Um, it's difficult. It's a, it, you know, it's, I'm sure he can observe from being at home, but as he said, to really cover it well, you got to be on the road. And, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. I mean, I went to Vegas for the Super Bowl because I wanted to cover it, but I also made sure I got the hell out of there and I got, to sit on the couch next to my 14 year old and 17 year old on Super Bowl Sunday and and be able to share it with them. And no offense, I mean I enjoyed sitting next to you um in New Orleans for the Niners and the Ravens, but you know what? Um you know, now that I'm 54 and I've got, you know, a couple kids that are almost out of the house it makes me kind of cherish the time that I still have left with the ones that are still in the house. And, uh, so I just, uh, so I totally understand where he's coming from, but I really think maybe the double pneumonia that he had recently kind of maybe changed his thinking. Cause he seems like a lifer, but man, when you're sitting in that spot where you're like, man, this could be life and death, it makes you wonder, 
how many things would you would you do and how you know it's about quality of life and, i'll tell you uh, what also is going on there that helps make this a choice for peter he cashed out i mean he, he was making an awful lot of money the amount of money that 95 7 the game was paying him for his weekly appearances was an awful lot of money just for making a half an hour long phone call once a week. He was making tens of thousands of dollars on just 95, seven, the game. So what's he making by hopping on cowherd? What's he making by going on NFL network? What's he making by going on NFL.com TV, sports illustrated, all these things, football night in America, he made millions upon millions of dollars. And I'm going to tell you right now, after my millions upon millions of dollars, it's going to be peace. We're going to do it my way from here on out. Um, so good for him. You know, good for him. You guys just very good at what he did. Universal respect was pretty much given to him and he will be missed. He was a great storyteller. Like you said, he had a passion for the game that he shared. He never stopped loving the game. You know, again, I'm not trying to bag on Ray at all. And Peter King loved Ray Ratto and vice versa. And Ray doesn't even like a lot of people. But Ray at the end, you could tell he fucking hates sports. <laughs> you know, I mean, Ray is just had it with everything. He's as cynical as hell. Nothing is here for just fun. He hated it all. I could feel it sitting across from him every day how much he hated sports. Peter King is not that guy, you know, cut from a different cloth. So he will be missed for sure. Um, finally, last football topic of the show today here, Larry. Again, our, our tight 45 minutes has already grown to something much bigger than that. I knew it would. Um, did you see the Cam Newton video? Like four dudes trying to jump Cam Newton. Let me tell you. And when we were in Las Vegas together, I was at the Club Shay Shay party. And I walked past Cam Newton as he was walking in. On the list of guys to not fuck with, Cam Newton better be in your top 10. He's approximately the size of a door frame. He is gargantuan. You have no, like, they didn't just give this guy an MVP. Like, he earned, I mean, he is a monster. And he had four dudes bouncing off him. All the meanwhile, he's wearing like a Hogwarts hat. And it doesn't even move off of his head. Dudes are bouncing off. I don't know what happened, what caused it, what the deal is. But a group of four dudes tried to rush Cam Newton. And he basically threw them off like a professional wrestler in a battle royale. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, good for Cam, I guess. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, I did see the video of it. Um, where was that? It was a, a seven on seven tournament in Atlanta. And apparently one of the teams is who jumped Cam Newton. I don't yeah. know why. I don't know how. I don't have any background on it. But um, having just shared personal space with Cam Newton and somebody is saying here, a uh, caveman says size is nothing when fighting. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> okay. Size and weight absolutely matter when fighting. It's not the end all be all. There's an awful lot of damage that can be wrapped up in small packages. You put the same skill that you have in a small package in a bigger package, it doesn't become less dangerous. Okay. <laughs> like Cam Newton is um, the walking definition of he big. 
He's also his his moment in the sun in the NFL was when he made a business decision not to fall on a fumble at his feet because he didn't want to get hurt. I mean, so, I, would, I don't I know. Would say it's more of his MVP season than that, but okay. You it know. was the same season, actually. Um, it was oh, the Super right. Bowl. Season. That was the same season. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I hate to see uh, mayhem in front of children. It seemed right. like there were a bunch of children standing around there. It's like that's scarring to them to see that. But um, if somebody wants to take some shots on Cam, you know what? God bless them. Yeah, it's not, I, 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 uh, I don't really, I don't really don't have any uh, warmth for Cam because Cam, Cam, I think is a hater. You know, at, at his core, he's a hater. And well, he hated like, Brock Purdy. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Well, no, you know, it's 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 he. I don't even think he hated Brock Purdy. I just think he. Um, I think he stepped he into did, a conversation. He's a hater in that he wanted to be. He wants the money that that uh shannon sharp is getting he wants that money and he's and he's trying desperately to shortcut his way to that money you don't name all of the fox and espn hiring people if you don't have an ulterior motive for making outlandish statements you're trying desperately to get on one of those fox or espn morning shows that's why you know who the, all the hiring people are, you know, right. well, he, you, you can feel that he, he knows that the spotlight isn't on him. He tried to swing it around back to him. I think he wasn't nearly as mentally prepared for a level of public backlash that his entry into the hot take business generated for him. He got incredibly defensive. The whole thing did sort of blow up in his face a little bit. Yet at the same time, here we are talking about Cam Newton. So, you know, maybe he even arranged the, the, the jumping of the four dudes who the hell, who the hell knows but either yeah, way seriously. it was uh it was it was quite a quite a little video um that, that that popped up on the timeline this weekend um real quickly because we are you know a bay area sports show at least that's where we're based out here in san francisco um the warriors got dropped by the nuggets last night larry and uh, along the way nikola jokic just put together one of the single greatest basketball games you'll ever watch in your entire life. He had 32 points, 16 rebounds, 16 assists. The only two other guys who have ever done that in any NBA game, regular season, postseason, any professional basketball game ever. Oscar Robertson did it twice. James Harden did it once. And Jokic did it last night against the Warriors where Clay Thompson, he came out with 23 points off the bench in the first half and he finished the night with 23 points. So, Got half a game out of clay. They needed a whole game out of clay. And the Warriors got blown off the court in the fourth quarter when uh, they scored, I believe, what they did, 16 points in the fourth quarter. That's not good. Um, they've lost seven times this season in games where they've had a 15-point lead. The only other team in the NBA with that many losses, up 15, is the rebuilding with the number one overall pick of last year's draft, San Antonio Spurs. So, you know, I, I love that Draymond is saying, yeah, we're feeling frisky and we are playing well and our efficiencies are going up since I've returned. And he's right about all of that. They're nowhere in the, they're not even in the weight class of the Denver Nuggets. And that's been proven with the Nuggets winning 10 out of 11 and sweeping the season, season series this year. Yeah. I mean, these people that were saying that the Warriors could win the title. I mean, my God, dude, check yourself into uh, drug testing. I mean, my God. Well, I mean, the Warriors had a nice little couple games, and all of a sudden they can win the title? Win the right. title? 
I mean, come on. What are we talking about? Denver's entire team is like in their prime. And and you're going to somehow win the title? Um, Steph was bad last night, by the way. He was one for 10 from beyond the beyond the arc yeah dude in order for them to to even reach the six seed and this is the thumbnail that i created for the 11 o'clock show is that steph basically needs to be a basketball jedi from here on out he's gonna have to obi-wan kenobi this entire team to the six seed if he's able to even do that and i don't know if he can do it all by himself um he's got a little bit of help that's for sure draymond's playing better hopefully clay is finding his own level of who he is now in this league by being moved to the bench. And we'll see if he stays there or not. Pajemski is a good squabbler. I like Trace Jackson Davis, obviously. Kaminga's coming into his own. There is a better Warrior basketball team today than there was a month ago, two months ago. But a titled contender? I mean, get out of here. It's, it's yeah. It, yeah, calm down. Now, they're not winning anything. Um, they may be able to pull an upset. If they get the right team in in the playoffs, um, but they're not, you know, they'll be checking right. out. They'll be a they'll be a second round checkout team um, for sure. They're probably going to check out the first round, but uh, they may they're, pull they're an upset, make it into the playoffs. I mean, can we be totally honest here? There's a very good chance that they're not. So they had 29 games remaining after the All Star break. They got to go like 20 and nine to really be thinking anything about a six seed. Um, to be, but they can make the play in the play. I mean, they're they're in the play in. They're in the play in right now, and they could beat the Pelicans in the play in, uh, or the Lakers or the Mavericks. The, I, I think it's possible they might be able to upset somebody in the first round. Right, but it won't be Denver. Can um, I give you a dose of reality that you don't want? Sure. Warrior fans don't want to hear this. The Warriors are now three and fifteen this season against teams on a fifty win pace. So, you know, teams on a 50 win pace, those are the contenders. The teams that are three and 15 against teams on a 50 win pace are by definition, not the contenders. So we'll see what the Warriors do. I mean, they, again, if they go straight nuclear perfect between now and the end of the year, they might be a six seed. Go ahead and look at the amount of losses in any of their championship years. They've already broached that. I mean, it's th- this is not a team that looks like it's about to win a title. Having said all of that, having said all of that, um, Steve Kerr has an extension, making him the highest paid coach in basketball. I don't have a problem with that. I think Steve is the best thing that has happened to the Warriors, not named Steph Curry or Joe Lacob. Um The interesting thing about the extension, though, Larry, is that it ties him directly to Steph Curry's timeline. And I do think that when one is done, the other will be done, too. Highest paid coach in the league. Yep. Yeah. Um, Good for Kerr. You know, he's he's 501 and 264 in the regular season, 99 and 41 in the playoffs. So he's got he's got a 650 win percentage, 655 win percentage in the regular season. He's got a 707 win percentage in the playoffs. He's won four titles. He's made six finals appearances. Um, The guy's a good coach. What What I like about Kerr the most is that he brings the whole team along. Last year was his worst year easily, um, but um, I, I, you know, as a bench player, you know, he understand. And he's played with superstars. He's played with the greatest. 
Um, but he also understands the importance of bringing the entire group along from A to B. And that's the thing about the NBA. I mean, you could make an argument that the Warriors' last title was an example of they stayed together. Everybody else that was in the championship discussion kind of fractured along the way, and they were the last man standing. And who knows? They may be able to get one more ring on that same kind of let's keep everybody pulling the rope in the right direction. Um, but good, good for, I mean, it was a great hire. Imagine if Steve Kerr, instead of taking the warrior gig had taken the Knicks gig, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Oh, that, that was the other thing. I don't know if you saw that, but mad dog said that, uh, he's talking about Curry the other day. He's like, he's a nice little shooter. I mean, it's like, talk about a, talk about a hypocrite. If that guy had played, if Steph Curry had played the balance of his career at MSG oh. and had <laughs> Chris would be sitting there bowing that this is the greatest player that has ever walked the face of the earth. Well, a nice if, little if, shooter becomes the single greatest shooter in the history of the sport real quickly for, for yeah. Chris in that moment. Yeah. I mean, I love Chris, but I mean, if Steph had played in New York, the, the level of his, of the love for him, he would be like, the greatest player in the history of the league by far. And instead it's like, ah, you know, he's a nice little shooter. So it's just kind of, to me, um, I, I laughed at that, but yeah, good for Kerr. Good for Kerr. And I, the people that, you know, think that, you know, there are people out there and I'm, I'm, I know them. There's some in the media, some who feel like Kerr's overrated. Um, I get that, but I, I really believe that, his approach of kind of bringing everybody along from A to B is a major key to his greatness. And also he, I, I think he, you know, he's also having a chance to, 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 uh, you know, coach a very, very special group of players. And I think he understands it. Um, he understands where he's at. Good for him. I'm, I'm happy for him. I will say this though. I, Joe Lake, uh, is an interesting guy and I I'm not There are people that want to say that he's the greatest owner in the history of Bay area sports. I'm not ready to go there yet. I, I got to see where it goes from here because his fascination with trading for LeBron and his, we're never going to take a step back approach to, you know, winning. I just don't think is very realistic. I mean, I, I want to hated the idea of bringing in LeBron, um, two, I, Joe just seems so, I don't know. He's weird. It's like, he's obsessed with winning, but then he also wants to go to the fit. He's also kind of has this soft side where he wants to go to the finish line with clay and Draymond and, and Steph. And it's like, I don't, you know, which is it, you know, are you, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like the two sides of Joe Lakeup are going to fight each other at some point. Because he loves the idea of going to the finish line with these guys, but then going to the finish line with these guys almost guarantees that you won't win a title for a long period of time. And he seems so intent on winning a title, another title, that um, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what to say about about Joe. I feel like he's 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 showing his youth as an owner by wanting two things that really don't align. He wants to go to the finish line and be this nice guy, but then he also doesn't want to take any steps back and he wants to contend for a title. And he talks in huge statements about doing such. And 
I don't know. I don't think you can do both. So I'm really eager to see what the next five to 10 years of his ownership look like. I agree with an awful lot of what you just said. Joe Lacob is the perfect sports owner. He's perfect. He wants to win more than guys on his own team do. Like, this is exactly who you want owning a team. The guy who wants perpetual success. I mean, look at look at some other owners. Look at who owns the Giants right now. Do you think perpetual success is even something that they take a sip of? No, no nothing. Like, I, I, I like an owner with impossible-to-meet standards more than I like an owner that is devoid of any standards to even compete with. So um, I, I think Lakeup's pretty damn good. I, I do. Pretty um, damn good, yes. I, as far as the Giants owners, too, you bought the team in 1992 for $100 million. It's currently estimated to be worth $3.8 billion. And yet you have your fans arguing that not signing Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, um, and other big-time guys is a prudent decision. That's how that's how wrapped up some Giants fans are in the Giants and their and their desire to kind of like be positive at every turn. A hundred million dollars, it's worth three point eight billion dollars, and you're apologizing for the owners pocketing four hundred and twenty million dollars of revenue last year and not spending it, not reinvesting it into the club. And well, it's like you want to call yourself a smart fan, but you're gonna you're gonna give the owners of the team license to pocket money when they've already made more money than anybody ever has in the history of San Francisco real estate. I mean, it just kind of shows that the giant fan is 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 has in, in a lot of ways is disconnected from reality. And it's like they look at it's like the old the old saying. Those who shit on you aren't necessarily your enemies, and those who take shit off your back aren't necessarily your friends. It's like, you know, it's like they they don't understand that they're apologizing for a group of people they should not be apologizing for. Well, look, I actually think that they dodged a little bit of a bullet on on Cody Bellinger. Bellinger is going to play better at Wrigley Field than he would at AT and T Park or whatever the fuck they call it now. But they could um, have had Reese Hoskins, and they could have had everybody else. And well, they... go, here's the thing. Go, here, so your offense is going to be terrible, officially limping to the finish line of all nine innings that you play. Like if if any time the Giants score more than six runs, should be cause for a celebration at, at, at China Basin. There are all star caliber pitchers out there starting with Blake Snell, who is available today. Anyone can sign Blake Snell today. Anyone can sign Jordan Montgomery today. Anyone can sign, you know, Hyun uh, Jin Ryu today. You can sign Mike Clevenger today. Shit, you could go out and get Brandon Belt today. Do something more. It, the fact that Farhan is looking at his team and going, my team's on the field with this level of talent still available is a major disconnect between the reality of the league and this team's position in it and Farhan's ultimate failure, even as we are frustrated by a lack of free agency and a big name showing up Farhan's failure is in this farm system more than it is in free agency. No doubt they have the lowest rated farm system 
in the in the NL West. James Wilson is saying we got Bill Belichick 100, 100, 100, 100. I'm going to Twitter right now to check that out. Hold on here. Uh, what is it, Schefter? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't see it, so I don't. Hold on, Larry. Well, I'll I'll trust in you. Adam Schefter has not tweeted anything in the last two hours. Last thing Adam Schefter tweeted was Bengals head coach Zach Taylor uh, talking about franchising T. Higgins. So, yeah. so who's now. got it? Who says that they have it? Um, James Wilson. We got Bill Belichick 100, 100, 100. Who's James, who's James Alleged, I don't know. He's probably on your side. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm just no, joking. He's, he's not. He's come, He's he's officially yours, Larry. He's, he's officially mine. I, you know, oh, wait a second. Look at Copen, Copenhagen interpretation. Ban him, Larry. He's trolling. But Kittle Karn 80. Is that worth a ban? Is that Adam Schefter just announced. Adam Schefter, what did he announce it on? On TV? Hold on a second. Hold on. We certainly can't wrap up the show until we no, know what no. is going on here. And I have one point to make on the on the combine, too, that I still have to make. Oh, but well, I, I tell you what, Larry, while you make that point, let me do a little research here. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'll be watching the combine, right? And and I'm doing a video later today on the guys at the combine uh, to watch for, right? So the, so you know me. I'm I'm all about the combine, and I will watch it. But here is, if you look at the top 40 times in the history of the combine from wide receivers, let me list you the fastest wide receivers in the history of the combine. John Ross is the very fastest. He ran 422 in 2017. Henry Ruggs, 427. Now he's incarcerated, but Henry Ruggs. Marquise Goodwin, 427, 2013. Tyquan Thornton, 2022, 428. And then I'll just r- run the numbers to run the names for the rest of them. JJ Nelson, Jacoby Ford, Darius Hayward Bay. More Bay- names than touchdowns. As yeah. well. More na- Darius Hayward Bay has got more names than catches. I mean, he, the guy, <laughs> it was like, you know, it was like he had one hand instead of three. Uh, his three names, but only looked like he could have one hand. Bayless Jones Jr., Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, Curtis Samuel, Calvin Austin the third, Will Fuller, Trey Palmer, Danny Gray ran four three three in twenty twenty two. McCole Hardman, DK Metcalf, who's good, Philip Dorsett, Brandon Cooks, Mike Wallace, Bo Melton. Uh, DJ Chark, John Brown, you got a Avon whole bunch of Austin, never worse, never has Ryan been, Swope. never worse. You got a whole bunch of track stars who masqueraded as football players. Of the 25 wide receivers listed above, we can safely say that 16 of them are either busts or trending towards being busts, or it's maybe a little too early to tell. The lesson is don't get caught up in the 40 times. For, I mean, the, the best wide receiver in the league. Um, a couple of years ago was Cooper Cup. He ran four six two. Um, they're they're the forties are what everybody watches, and it's easy to be like, wow, these guys burned up the track. But outside of DK Metcalf, 
Of all the receivers that I just listed, they've combined for five Pro Bowl appearances. Two, two for DK Metcalf, one for McCole Hardman, one for Mike Wallace, one for DJ Chark. And, and Hardman made his Pro Bowl as a returner in his rookie season, not as a receiver. So all I'm saying is, and I'm believe me, I, I'm I'm an advocate for some. I mean, speed kills, and it's and if you ask Shanahan, I've asked him this question ten times. He really believes that these burners who run run the top off the defense, who stretch the field, are vitally important to him as a play caller, um, because Danny, Danny they Gray create space. What's that? And yet he doesn't get Danny Gray on the field or Gray is hurt, whatever. Right. Uh, he can't get on the field. 40 times matter. 40 times in wide receivers and in cornerbacks, probably overrated. 40 times among linebackers and offensive linemen do matter. Definitely linebackers. Yeah, because I mean, there is a level of speed required at those positions now to either get out and make the block or to beat the block or to run with your your running back and get the right angle on tight ends. That's where I think 40 times matter. They get over-exaggerated in importance of wide receivers and in corners. No doubt. No doubt. So it just, it just kind of goes to show that, you know, will I watch the combine? Hell yeah, I'll watch the combine. And there, and I did do, and I am doing a video on it later this morning, guys to watch for, and it will be a decent video. But just remember that the 40 time doesn't mean everything. And in some cases, doesn't mean anything. We should get t-shirts made. It'll be a decent video. (laughs) It'll be a decent video. It'll be a decent video. What do you guys think of uh, Wake Up with Damon Larry? It's a decent video. They'll make some decent videos out of that, out of that, out of that live stream. Thank you very much for tuning in to what we hope you agree was a decent video. If you thought it was a decent video today, how about a like? You could take it even one step further with a subscribe. You can take it many steps further by becoming a member of either channel or both to support what Larry and I are doing. But a like and subscribe. A like and subscribe would be absolutely lovely if you would, please. Thank you very, very much. Larry, I see we did get a couple of super chats in here today. So we do, but we also have this one from Steve Cass. It's not a super, but he says the Nesson Network, which is the New England Sports Network, says the Nesson Network YouTube video stated that Bill Belichick was spotted with John Lynch in a deep conversation. When is is Bill part of the Niners? He was spotted with John Lynch. There when did go. the conversation happen? Is that old footage? I need to know more about this Nesson video that people are looking at. Okay. Oh, I- <laughs> Wait a second. We got more, more, more chats that make me laugh. All right. We'll get to all of them right here. Here we go. We'll go right down the list in the order they came. This one, loner incognito. Please, no internal hire. Might as well bring back Jim Tomsula, but would not mind Vrabel. That story about Vrabel being too physically imposing, I mean, is there any bigger joke than that? Well, at what point are you in the wrong business if physical (laughs) intimidation is a part of your hiring process? (laughs) That just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like saying, you know, I really am into auto racing. I just don't like when people drive fast. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. 
Uh, that's funny. All right, we got this one from Blood Moon. Bryce Huff would be the one splash move. Better better than uh, than Brian Burns, less pricey. Steelers released a center. Any interest there? We need a solid nickel. Um, there you go. Faithful to the Bay. Um, I like Bryce Huff. I agree with that one. Bryce Huff would be one of my he, – he would be a great outside rusher next to Nick Bosa. Vernon Freeman, 49ers need a defense coordinator. Kyle won't second guess in game situations. Maybe Kyle will pull a full mastermind and decide to name himself defensive coordinator. And that would not be good. That would not be good. Again, Kyle needs to take one thing off his plate, and the entire defense comes off your plate if Bill Belichick is the hire. So do that. Yeah, seriously. You know, here's the other thing. And I've been saying it. I, I don't know if you've been saying it. I know I've been saying it for a couple of years now. And when I have said it, 49er people have literally reached out to me saying, I wish you wouldn't say that. But I think Kyle Shanahan needs not just a great defensive coordinator where he doesn't have to worry at all about the defense. I think he would really benefit from having a Belichick, Belichick-like uh, guy on the sideline to be able to kind of better manage some of the in-game decision-making that he has, I don't know if you want to say struggled with, if you want to say has had hit and miss success with, but I think Belichick would help them twofold. He would, he would take Kyle completely out of the defensive meeting room, but he would also have another guy that he really, really trusted that he could consult with on the headsets in the middle of games on how to manage some of the biggest games. I think it would matter. I think it would well, make an impact. This is me saying that Kyle needs a run-the-ball coach. You just need somebody to look at him into the game sometimes and just say, hey, Kyle, just run the ball. And, and and yeah, Bill Belichick would be that. I look at him. He's a wartime consiglietti. You can go full godfather. I, I like to go fraggle rock here. He's the trash heap. He's the oracle that every fraggle gets to go to for all their best advice. At one point in time, even though he's the defensive coach, Bill Belichick and Brock Purdy are going to go out to lunch together. How great will that be for Brock Purdy? You know, like just to have, you know, like, hey, you need a Jedi? Would you like Obi-Wan Kenobi? (laughs) Is Bill Belichick Yoda? Yeah. Yeah. You get you get Yoda. Yoda's even (laughs) better than Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, hey, they both wear hoodies. There you go. Good night, everybody. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. No, that's great. Uh, Kevin Wood, who's been a member on my channel for two months. It doesn't have to be a billion-dollar league. Just take USL Framework and put the NFL brand in there. Use it to test new rules, new streaming ideas, yes. et cetera. This would be something that you'd think that if the league was looking to offer, like, hey, Netflix, you want to be involved in this? Hey, uh, you know. You know who I'd offer to? More than just Thursday night? Who? I know you didn't see this bowl game, but if you went back and watched the Toledo bowl game, one of the most genius things I think I've seen this year was Barstool. Barstool. Barstool's broadcast was exactly what this needs. That's exactly what that league needs. A Barstool-like broadcast, but with, like, you know, backup players. Just guys being dudes. Just guys being dudes, having fun, make it entertaining, make the broadcast entertaining and try to acquire, try to aim your broadcast towards younger fans because younger fans are not watching baseball. Um, James Wilson, Larry, 
this is the one that made me laugh. I was asking someone in the chat. We said that we got Bill. Please don't ban me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> not banned, James. You're okay. James, James, you're not banned. You're not banned. I saw uh, one guy admit he's like, yeah, I just got tired of the baseball talk. I was looking to spice things up. <laughs> Fair it enough. Worked. It worked. Fair enough. Fair enough. We got Greg, very excited there for a second. We did. <laughs> Greg Argisi. Love it if Steve Young could be the OC. No one better. Too much money in the bank. He's got too much money. The hours are too ugly. All right. You so we what, have... I'll tell you, Steve Young and Steve Kerr remind me of each other when I just think of some of the greatest communicators in sports. I mean, Steve Young is one of the ultimate communicators. The message sent, the message received, it's spot on. It's so, he's so good. He's so good at what he does. And it would be great to see him involved in a way that just wasn't punditry. I think Steve Young has an awful lot to offer no matter what group he would step into. He's that elite of a human. Uh, no question. And and his some of the things that he shared about his conversations with Brock Purdy, I know Brock has benefited. I absolutely know that Brock has. Um, every time I talk to Steve Young, I feel like, Wow, I've I've really learned something about the game, even if it's just nuanced about, a, 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 you know, a, a point about people. It has nothing to do with the game. It's like he's just so so cerebral on such a such a regular guy level. You know what I mean? Um, that it's just you do gain a lot of of perspective. I loved his line of Super Bowls aren't won; they're taken from bloody hands. And it's like, you know what? Damn, if that wasn't true. Uh, we should, we should, by the way, maybe we should, instead of calling it Wake Up with Damon and Larry, it should be Bloody Hands with Damon and Larry. <laughs> Ripped <laughs> from Bloody Hands. Bloody Hands show. We took the ratings of the morning and we ripped them away from everybody else with Bloody Hands. <laughs> All right, James Wilson says, love the OG Krug show. Fire, like, and sub up. Now, James is trying to throw money at a problem. Uh, James, it's okay. You don't have to You don't have to super chat us. We're not We're not on the verge of dumping you. Um, but I mean, if I you do that again, you're out. No. Um, next year, says, Larry, what is your opinion on the quarterback situation? What quarterback yeah. situation? Yeah, you have. Uh, I like, I like Brock Purdy. How about this? For the first time in a long time, there isn't a quarterback situation. How great is that? I love <laughs> no, it. Seriously. I'll say this. You know, here's my opinion on the quarterback situation. I'll be doing a mock draft on this. But I really believe that you're going that the Niners are going to keep either Darnold or Brandon Allen, but not both. It's probably going to be Brandon Allen. And so that means you got to have a third quarterback. I love Joe Milton from Tennessee. I just think he's just He's so big, so strong. I mean, this guy can throw the ball 90 yards in the air. And I'll tell he's, you right now, he's got a torn ACL, or he had one last year, so I might be interested there. <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> you always like the guy with the, with the, who can throw it 90 yards. Here's my question. Can he throw it to a me cheese on Union Street? <laughs> you know, can, can he can he throw it? You know, can he throw it from Levi's to a meat cheese can onion? Put it in street? the trunk of the Miata. Can he put it in the Miata? Can you hit the tight window? It's a tight. It's a small car. It's got a very small trunk. 
It's a small window, Krug. You're so cute with your quarterbacks and your mock drafts. Uh, Eric Shun, after we signed Bill Belichick as the DC, we signed Tom Brady as the quarterback. Oh, my God. Done. Uh, next, you should Dayton or Larry. What is your opinion on the quarterback? We just gave it to you. There isn't one. Know. Digital Drew was always good. Says, Damon, I don't like that we look alike. No idea why. It just bothers me. LOL. I feel sorry for you, too. Sorry, you're going gray quickly. That's the thing. People think I'm older than you, Larry. I, I said that I was born in 75, and people are like, what? You're younger than Larry? This is, this is, uh, this is, this is. It's a very distinguished beard. Older than it looks. Earth. Well, and we started, by the Don't way. Older than I am. Have you, since you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, we can come full circle. Did you see in the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Jeff has dyed his hair? Yes. And that, did you see the lawn jockey and they tried to, they, they, they broke the lawn jockey and it was a black lawn jockey. And instead they tried to get one, but they can only find a white one. And then they, and then they put, they, they made, they darkened his face. And then, then in the heat of Atlanta, the lawn jockey starts to, the, the paint starts coming off and you can see Jeff's hair's paint coming down. I mean, it's just an awesome show. Well, and it's, it's also an incredible show. They're totally mocking like Rudy Giuliani for the, you know, the running press conference thing. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. It, it's just, yeah. No, the, the show is happening on, there's three dimensional chess being played in every single Curb Your Enthusiasm episode this season so far. It's been, it's been great. Last night's episode was hysterical too. I just love Susie. Um, that's one, like my favorite character. That's Jeff's wife. And I love the way she talks when she's happy with Larry and when she's pissed at Larry. Yeah. When she likes him, she's like, Hey, Larry. Hey, how you doing? Larry? You know, with this very new New York kind of, Hey, Larry. And then you fucking idiots. <laughs> you, you, you morons. Larry, get out of here. Larry. Oh, she, she hates Larry when she hates Larry. The way she says his name is just awesome. Get my Farragut awesome. off your balls, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> right. By the she way, got a, she got I'm a dog. Jillian got you. Me. You jerks. You assholes were thought that my dog was eaten by a coyote and you kept playing golf. Remember that? Did you see what that? What can one? we do? What can we do? You didn't come and check on me. Uh, it was hysterical. <laughs> but um, by the way, a couple of birthdays ago, Jillian got me a Theragun. Oh my God. That thing is part of the reason why I'm still alive. I'm going to be honest with you. The Theragun is incredible. Get yourself a Theragun. <laughs> if you are aching, if you got pains, if you need a massage and don't have anybody to work on you, get yourself a Theragun. It's like 300 bucks, and it's the best three. How about this? You can afford like two 60-minute-long massages for the price of a Theragun or have something that can massage you better than any masseuse for the rest of your life. Uh, get a Theragun. Maybe maybe we can get them as a sponsor, Larry. There we go. There we go. Uh, we uh, told Digital everyone Drew. the show would be 45 minutes long. We've just eclipsed two hours. All right. <laughs> Digital Drew says, every time I hear bulkier the razor, I have to go. LOL. <laughs> Rakeeb Jumani, looking forward to you guys getting me through the football offseason. Exactly. Thank we you. will be here for 45 minutes. Or plus, two hours. Plus 45 minutes. <laughs> plus Monday. 15 minutes. 
Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, beginning on Monday of next week. Again, Plus Mania 3, which will be attended by Lawrence Kruger himself, is at the Halfway Club, 4 o'clock Sunday, March 3rd. Come on out. Drink with good, like-minded sports fans. Enjoy yourself. My buddy's new bar is awesome. You will like it. It's in the locals-only part of San Francisco out here on Geneva, Crocker, Amazon. you got to be from San Francisco to go to this bar. No tourists. So um, we hope that you are there. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. And hopefully everyone has as many ACLs at the end of this show as they did in the beginning. Um, one last note. I'm at 39,609 subs. Help me get to, to 40,000, hopefully by later today. Um I also want to say when I was in the sixth grade, I was playing a baseball game at Crocker Amazon and my, my a buddy of mine, Wayman Strickland, who would go on to be a great athlete at Reardon high school, which is backs up to Damon's house, um, took me over the fence at Crocker Amazon in the sixth grade, in the sixth grade, he parked one over the fence it was like high school. It was like a high school dimension for that field, too. And I threw it hard, as hard as I could because we were buddies as kids. And he swung as hard as he could. And he hit a titanic bomb off me at Crocker Amazon in the sixth grade. And as you can tell, I'm still not over it. And by the uh, way, Larry, since you did bring up Reardon, let's just say deep condolences to our friend Joe Shasky, butcher boy. He just had his father pass away last week, funerals later this week. And he is a, a great San Franciscan Papa Shasky was so little love to Joe. Uh, very, very sad that he lost his father. It's something that both you and I have been through. So we know it's powerful medicine. We wish Joe and his family the very, very best. Yeah, absolutely. I can't say anything better than that. Um, Joe, we're, we're thinking of you. You're in our prayers. And on that note, we will we'll call it quits on this show. Uh, tune into Damon's channel. Tune into mine. Thanks for supporting. Uh, wake up and have a great rest of your day. Peace. <laughs>